It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, here to spread good news. I don't know if we're spreading any manure or if we're giving you the facts, Jack, but we will break down the Eagles and the Lions over the next two hours. Uh, we got less than that before John McMullen is uh, off on a big old jet plane heading to Detroit. J-Mac, are all your reservations ready? Have uh, you uh, hacked it out with the wife as to when you're leaving, when you're coming back? Are you ready to go cover a bird's win? It's funny you say that. Yeah, I felt like Steve Miller band there. Big old jet airliner. But, you know, Detroit, it's more the crop duster type uh, small plane. So cross your fingers on that one. But, uh, yeah, I had said, but I told my wife weeks ago, back to back, road games which i wasn't looking forward to myself uh, especially coming back from vegas which is a grind but um yeah same thing you, you you're leaving again this week <laughs> yeah you didn't yeah. have to do the crop duster thing to vegas they get they put down no, a real that's a big old that's a big old jet airliner <laughs> to vegas. what's it take to fly to detroit uh, not that long it's like an hour and a half which half of that is getting on the plane and getting off uh, right so it's real quick. I've actually driven from Detroit to uh, Philadelphia. My, when my, father, my uh, father spent his couple of years in Detroit. At one point, um, I purchased a car. Yeah, he made me pay for it. Well below market value, but I bought a car off my dad and said uh, he was uh, getting a new car, whatever else. Hey, you want the Toyota? Yeah, I'll take the Toyota. Oh, so, Toyotas, yeah, they run forever. Man. Right. That's yeah. a good That's a good decision. That 100,000 miles on it lasted, for me, another 100,000 on top yeah. of that. So, um, yeah, I got on a big old jet plane out of New York, as a matter of fact, that, shoot, 7 o'clock in the morning, something like that, I was on the fan till 6 a.m., and then uh, just headed over to LaGuardia and got a flight out and then drove my new Toyota that my father sold to me, didn't give to me, <laughs> sold to me, uh, all the way back. And, man, did I make good time. That Pennsylvania Turnpike, if you're on it at the right time, you find a big enough truck to follow, you can just cruise along at like 82 miles an hour and yeah. not even sweat it. It's, the, the cups wave to you when you go by them at 82, as long as you're behind a big truck and you're in the – uh, slow lane, you can make very good time. Uh, Western Pennsylvania, though, that can get a little tricky when it starts to get some weather with those yeah. mountains and the hill. Uh, there's some, there's some windy stuff up there. No, I've me, made that trip too many times. My th me thinks this was like in April or May, so there was no weather involved, just good speed going uh, across. Um, but that's the one and only time I think I've ever flown into Detroit. As a matter of fact, I have not spent quality hours there. Johnny Mac will. And then he will spend quality uh, hours thereafter. What time are you flying back on, or are you coming back on Sunday night? No, Monday morning, 8 o'clock. So that's going to be a Jeff uh, Jeff Kerr day on Birds 365. Okay. A non-Johnny Mac day, which, you know, depending on who you are, that could be a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing. But I am, and we'll get this away, uh, over and done with right at the top, I am predicting an Eagles victory. So I'm predicting a uh, victorious re flight return for John McMullen. Not everybody is. I went to uh, the website you contribute for, phillyvoice.com. They put all their quote-unquote experts picks together. Seven guys. Four of them picked the Eagles. Three of them picked the Lions. One of which who's picking the Eagles is my partner, John McMullen. But you have uh, the Eagles winning in a rather close game. The four guys who picked them. Nobody had them winning by more than four points. 
I'm predicting birds by double digits. All right. Well, I mean, Detroit's not a good football team. I mean, you, there's no way to spin 0-7. You can talk about being close in a number of games. You can talk about Justin Tucker and Greg Joseph and long field goals. But a loss is a loss in this league. And it it it, it sort of, when you move past it, becomes black and white and, and the context is lost. And, you know, all people talk about, you see what two and five has done to this city. <laughs> um, you can imagine what zero and seven and obviously Detroit doesn't have the history, certainly uh, recently of the Eagles. So uh, that team's been bad for a long time. Uh, and it just, there seems to be no hope. There seems to be no hope with the Detroit Lions and, the one thing people do talk about, and, and, and Dave Burkett was on this show yesterday from the Detroit Free Press, and heard, I've heard it from other people, they haven't stopped playing. They're playing for Dan, Dan Campbell, so that part is a positive. Um, and I think the same thing holds true for Nick Sirianni, despite the week uh, and despite the outside noise. Those guys, for the most part, seem to be still playing for Nick Sirianni, so... Uh, two struggling rookie coaches, you know, Dan had some interim work, but he's a rookie coach. Um, it, you know, Hey, he beat one rookie coach, as you pointed out yesterday, Jody, <laughs> he maybe that's what he needs. Maybe, fellow rookie coaches. Yeah. Maybe that's one, what he needs. Maybe that's what he needs. One and oh on the way to two and oh. And Oh, by the way, somebody pointed it out this to this to me yesterday. And it, it helped me or uh, strengthened my conviction that the Eagles were not only going to win, but win by double digits. Um, yes, the Lions, most of the Lions games have ended with a score reasonably close. But they've trailed badly in almost every single game. Week one, they ended up losing by uh, less than, than one score. They were down by 28 points to the 49ers. They were down yeah. four touchdowns. Yeah, whole bunch of oh by the way points. Week number two against the Packers, they were down by eighteen points. Week number three, in the game in which they had the lead, and Tucker kicks the sixty-six yard field goal with the gun to beat them, they were down thirteen points in that game. They were down thirteen nothing. Um, where am I? I'm up to week number. Uh, five. Yeah, Minnesota, same thing. They same gotta... thing. They were losing. Yeah. Um, uh, I got it all written down here. Uh, the Bengals, they were down. The, the Bengals, game. they yeah, they just they didn't even have their late run against the Bengals, um, who are a good uh, a good football team. I think they're probably the most surprising team in the NFL. I didn't, I certainly didn't think they'd make that leap forward, but they seem to be a, a really good team. That was uh, they didn't have the late garbage time stuff there. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, they were uh, losing but, to the Bear 24-7 and the Vikings 16-6. Yeah. So much like the Eagles, because you and I have talked about this plenty, and I think it bears repeating, um, Jalen Hurts' stats actually look okay. They're, okay. they're not, they're as not bad great, as people, but they're not they great, okay. but some people make them out to be got off on. They're not. Just see where he is in the rankings in the NFL. He's not at the, the bottom of the list. But a whole bunch of those came in, oh, by the way, time where the Eagles are down by several scores and Jalen's moving it up and down the field and sticking the end zone in the fourth quarter with uh, results and statistics that make no difference whatsoever to the final score of the game. Oh, the Lions do the same thing. They fall yeah. behind and they get a bunch of points. Oh, they made it look, they only got beat by, well, they got beat. They're 0-7. Yeah. 
The one well, the only thing I would say, you're right. Lose every week. You're right. The only difference is I, I would say that, and if you, if you want to throw the Carolina game, because as I said, to me, the Eagles got outplayed by Carolina, but found a way to win the game late with a, you know, block punt, some big defensive plays and Jalen Hurts made a few uh, big plays to win that game. Uh, so, you know, I, that's one where you say, okay, maybe you stole it a little bit, but then again, I thought they outplayed San Francisco and weren't able to make those types of plays. They lost that game. So that kind of even out to me. The only, the only thing I would say is that the Lions should have beaten the Ravens and they should have beaten the Vikings. I mean, they, they should have won those games and those comebacks, whereas the Eagles comebacks, a little bit more, with the exception of Carolina, as I said, a little bit more paper tigerish in the fact that they were never really in the game. I guess if you want to stretch it and say, you know, if they stopped the third down against Tampa Bay, they would have had a chance to tie the game and gotten the football back, but they didn't even do that. So um, I would say they're, you're, you're nitpicking, but I would say their comebacks are a little bit more paper tigerish than. The lines, at least in two games, that the two games they should have won, uh, and and that's still two and five, even if they win them. Right, and those were for me could have won, not should have won. Um, they were well, when you down. Well, they 13. certainly should have beaten Minnesota. They got that two point conversion with like thirty seconds left. I mean, the game's over, and you know they kick it off and they give up two big plays uh, for being a stupid young team, and then they kick a long field goal. Now, the Baltimore game, anytime somebody hits a 66-yard field goal, even the greatest kicker of all time, uh, that's you're kind of looking up and saying, what have I done to you, God? What have I, what have I done to you? And, and then, you know, if you listen to the people in Detroit, it probably should have been a, a delay a game on top of that, which would have made it a 71-yard field goal. They probably would have made that, by the way. So who, who cares? <laughs> yeah, Tucker is just that good. You are correct about that. Um, here's the bottom line. They've lost every single week. They found new and inventive ways to lose, sometimes falling down by 28 points and making a run to get within a score. Oh, they lost. Uh, grabbing a lead late like they did against uh, the, the, the Vikings and then let the Vikings get a touch. And having a lead late and getting beat by a 66-yard field, they just plain lose. They find new ways to lose every single Oh, that week. I agree with, yeah. I mean, there, there's something to say for that. You know, I covered Denny Green way back in the day, and he was the first one. He, he's probably not the first one to say it, but he used to talk about preseason football, and, and he used to win preseason games. And I, I said, you know, why? Why, why, why? why do you care about winning preseason games? Now, he wouldn't play the players, but he would try to win the game late if it was close. Uh, with backup players, obviously, and and he said, and he said, winning is a habit, and and so was losing, uh, and he's right. Uh, I mean, once you start to lose, you see it all the time. Guys start, you know, it's human nature. They start dipping their heads and they start looking for that other shoe to drop. Where's it coming? Oh, here we go again, and then it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. So, winning is a habit. Losing is a habit. The first coach to ever sell me on winning preseason games being important, I remember it, 
seems like only yesterday and was 30 years ago, um, was Dick Vermeil. That he always tried to win his preseason games, much like Denny Green. He's not going to keep his starters no. in longer, but he expected his backups, if they're trailing, uh, they would go to uh, offense with pace and uh, get to the line of scrimmage fast. He tried to win every single game because he firmly believed that there was carryover from game to game to game to game. And uh, he coached that way and was pretty damn successful and a very popular Philadelphia coach. So I started to buy into it myself. And I think John Harbaugh would say he's had some sex success with that down in Baltimore because yeah, he yeah. never loses a preseason game. Yeah. Uh, and they're a pretty good football team again this year. I, uh, J-Mac, I, uh, I think we discussed this on Tuesday. Um, didn't go very deep into it. I want to try and get a little bit more out of it today. What do you believe the deuce factor is? In this game, um, I don't maybe it was somebody on maybe was somebody <laughs> on WIP who yeah. said it to me Tuesday night that uh, the Lions are going to go out and win one for Deuce. Yeah, I don't know. If what, about the cap- <laughs> uh, or what about Dave Pitt? Or what about Halapulu? As a matter of fact, well, maybe, uh, we got the Halapulu. Um, that's another reason why I think the Eagles are going to win. The Lions shot their load on their special team. Uh, kind of out-of-the-box plays this past week against the Rams. Two fake punts and an onside kick, and they were successful yeah. all three times. They got nothing left in the, the magic bag of tricks. Yeah, well, you know, I I think they they knew they were outmanned against uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who's who are a really good team. So they knew they would have to pull out some tricks to win that football game. I don't think they think from talking to people in Detroit. I don't. I. I. They think they can play this game and win this game, which I don't necessarily think is the case. So, I. I. You know. I mean, this happens every week in the NFL. There's so much uh, turnover. Uh, you're going to find people on the other team that used to be on your team, and vice versa. I mean, do the Eagles want to win one from for Darius Slay? I mean, he loves Detroit. He. he you know, other than Matt Patricia. He's thrilled to be going back. Avante Maddox has a Lions tattoo on, you know, he's such a big Lions man. He grew up in Detroit, went to high school there. Um, are they going to win one for Avante? He's going home. Uh, it's going to have about 40, 50 people there. Um, no, that kind of stuff doesn't matter. I, I mean, Deuce was very popular here and, and, um, you know, you can make an argument that Jeffrey Lurie should have looked at him a little bit harder. Ultimately, I don't have a problem uh, with the thought process that he probably wasn't ready to be a head coach. And why why I say that is you know, nobody else is interviewing the guy either. I mean, it's not like he's a hot candidate and you're, you know, there's there's steps you have to go through. And by the way, that's one of the criticisms of hiring Nick Sirianni because people think he he wasn't ready to be a head coach. He never he that was the only interview. So from that standpoint, you could say, all right, what why go outside the organization for somebody you don't know versus somebody who's been here for twenty years that you do know and kept through Chip Kelly and actually Andy Reid and Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson and his assistant head coach. He took over for Doug when. Doug had COVID and all that kind of stuff. That's a Jeffrey Lurie question. But as far as 
you know, the Lions are going to win one for Deuce. Uh, they're going to bite kneecaps for Dan Campbell. How's that work? So far to the tune of 0-7. Uh, and my thought on Deuce has always been they weren't going to hire him. No. Is he going to be a good head coach someday? Will he get the chance and prove to be a good head coach? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I didn't know enough about Deuce. And, yes, he did certain things that were nice prep work to eventually become an NFL head coach. He seems like a real good dude, so I'm rooting for him to get the chance somewhere. But if you ask me to make a prediction whether he'd be successful or not, I got no idea. I don't feel that strongly one way or the other that just give him a job, he's going to be great, or uh, go ahead and hire him, but it's not going to work out. For I don't feel either of those two things. I'm kind of sitting very much on the fence with Deuce. But one thing I'm not on the fence with is, he had no chance to be the coach here ever because he's outspoken. He's not afraid to tell you what he thinks. He's a take charge kind of guy. He believes that he can get the job done and knows what he's doing. Eagles didn't want that as an ex head coach. They wanted a very malleable guy. They wanted a guy that would grow like a flower and they would be the ones tending the garden every single day deciding exactly how the flower would grow. And if the flower got a little too big, like Doug Peterson did last year, that's not a problem. We'll just pull him right out of the ground and move on and plant another flower. That's what they were looking for. Boys was coming Nick, straight Nick, to the Nick soil Siri. as a uh, an oak tree, and they were not going to hire an oak tree to be their next head coach. Boy, Nick Sirianni is uh, not going to outlive. He's not going to. He's not going to no. let this flower the thing. Flower, the flower. The um, flower narrative is here to stay, Johnny yeah. Mac. I, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But uh, you know, as far as dues, I, I honestly look. I agree with you. They were never going to hire him, and but I think it's for different reasons. I don't. I don't think it's because of malleable. I mean, if there's any guy that they kept around, as I said, for, you know, two decades, essentially, uh, when you talk about his playing career uh, and his coaching career. And obviously he had the little stint uh, when he was gone as a player. But, you know, two decades in the organization through three head coach, they thought this guy was pretty malleable. That wasn't the problem. The problem was, and, and again, you know, and fan, this is where the disconnect is between the fan base and the ownership. You know, Deuce is Deuce. Deuce would come in and run the team and, and want to run the football and play in 1985-style football when he, he was a player and, and that type of thing. And uh, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want that. I mean, he doesn't want that. It's, you know, when Jeff McClain came out with the story that, Brandon Staley didn't interview with the Eagles, which was known. He turned down an interview. Now, Jeff reported that he turned it down because of Howie Roseman. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. You know, he, he was going to take the Chargers job anyway because he's from there. He he, he have Justin Herbert, um, which any coach is going to take that guy. But, you know, people are missing, you know, they're burying the lead. Jeffrey Lurie isn't going to hire a defensive coach. You know, he did it once when he was a, a, a first-time owner, and that was it. He's not going to do it again. Uh, the league, And even then, the league has shifted so much. 
So if you're Brandon Staley and you're Brandon Staley's representation, you know he wants to talk to you for the public relations aspect of it because it's a hot candidate and you want to look like you're doing your due diligence. But they know he's not hiring a defensive coach. And the same thing is, you know, with Deuce Staley. He's not hiring a guy who wants to run the stinking football. He's not doing it. I mean, that's not what he wants. That's Correct. what it has to be. That's what it's about. But as I said, uh, if he were malleable, he'd come in and say, yes, Mr. Laurie, I'll run whatever kind well, of offense I'll, you I'll, want. I'll say this because I do think he's been, he was a longtime team employee. He got along with everybody. Uh, it's not about being malleable as far as, okay, Deuce, you're going to be the head coach, but you got to throw the football. It's about, that's not his expertise. Uh, you know, so then you're going to have to hire an offensive coordinator, which by the way, maybe wouldn't be a bad way to go, you know, because I think head coaching positions, and I say this all the time, are about leadership more than anything else. As long as you got somebody else to be able to scheme the stuff, uh, and you could have went about it in a different way, but that's not how the Eagles think. We we had that discussion a while ago. They claim they're innovative. They're not innovative at all. They follow the leader. They do what everybody else does. They're not thinking outside the box. So they wanted an offensive coach who can scheme, and, and people are laughing at this because they say, I, I can already picture it because they say, well, Nick Sirianni can't do that. Well, yeah, but they thought he could. Whether he can or he can't is not – is not what I'm trying to say. They thought he could, and they thought he was that type of coach. Now, if he is or he isn't, we'll see as this continues to go on. They they don't want that type of coach that's going to run the football and act like Mike Zimmer and play defense and punt the football and flip the field. And by the way, they're right in that aspect, that small aspect of it. They're right. That's not the way the modern game is played. And you see two, you know, you see the game yesterday, touchdown, touchdown, touch. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any receivers. And he almost scored three straight touchdowns. He's got guys who don't even know how to line up. And it's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown against an undefeated team. Uh, I, You know, that's the NFL today. That's the NFL. Yeah, but it ended up 24-21, which actually wasn't under. And it was a key defensive play by an ex-Eagle. Yeah, that's what you hope. Rustle you hope for Douglas the coming up huge. Forget yeah. about Aaron Rodgers and his touchdowns. Rustle Douglas won the game yeah. for the Packers yeah, last night. It helps that A.J. Green doesn't turn his head in that type of situation. That's a veteran player. What were there, 14 seconds left? What does he think is done? It's a running play? What do you think? Dude? You're out of timeouts. They just used their last timeouts. God bless Rasul. I mean, he hey, he got lucky. The ball came his way. And he made a great catch. Yeah, nice but, catch. But, I mean, if A.J. Green turns his head, he's he's the GOAT. He's not the hero. Right. But if uh, if uh, Rasul Douglas drops that, we got a field goal. Boom. Going to overtime. That game still could be going on. Oh, he made a great catch. Yeah, Johnny on the always, spot. Rasul that was always Rasul. Rasul had good ball skills. He really did. He, he did. He, and he, oh, he, by the way, quick question. Then we got to take our first break. And uh, Mr. Football Friday, Ed Kratz, is going to join us. Um, is that just a read route? With 14 seconds left, they're actually yeah, calling a play shoulder, yeah. where the quarterback and the wide receiver don't know what each other are going to do. You're just hoping that they uh, have some ESP going and they know exactly yeah. what path of. 
does that really happen in the NFL? Oh my you just God. go out and I'll get it to you. Oh I my play. God. Air raid, Jody. Air raid. Where does Cliff Kingsbury come from? You got to be on the same page. That's all you do. I, I tell you this all the time. What do you practice? That's what you run in the game. And that's why people think Arizona's offense is not sustainable long term. Now, that's a different argument. Some people think it is. Some people think it isn't. But that's modern football. That's modern football. You saw it, and there's good to it, and there's bad to it. Right. And my take is, I get it. And if it can work for you, and shoot, they were undefeated before last night. So it's working pretty damn well, and they're scoring a lot of points. 14 seconds left. You got to put it aside and go back to old school football. Call a play, run a play. So the receiver knows what he's doing. The quarterback knows what the receiver's doing. And you don't have A.J. Green never turn his head on the last offensive play of the game. That's you don't just... run what you don't practice, Jody. Yeah. You don't then, you don't then... play air raid and practice and run old school football in the game. And that's poor practice on Cliff Kingsbury. You got to be able to now say, guys, we're going to air raid it 90% of the time. But with 14 seconds left on the three-yard line, we got to have a designated play. Sorry, Cliff, that's bad practice habits on you. Even though he's incorporated Zach Ertz pretty quickly. Four catches last night. Yeah, Zach Zach looks, looks, like, quicker. looks like he's been a Cardinal. Uh, maybe he's an air raid he look, guy. I don't know. He looks but, faster. Yeah, All of a sudden, he looks speed. quicker and got, faster. Got a little something extra in his giddy-up. All right, we're going to giddy-up on out of here. Coming back with our bud, Ed Kratz, Johnny's co-worker at, at Sports Illustrated. He's going to join us on a football Friday here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Oh, 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Johnny Mac, I'm Jody Mac. Birds 365. As you can tell, it's just the three of us for now. Um, we'll pull the curtain back a little bit on how this stuff works on this show, <laughs> other shows, whatever. Um, yours truly gets us in and out to break. And I feel badly when we ask someone to come on at a specific time and I see their face pop up and they're ready to go. And then we have to go to break. Yeah, and they've got to sit there for three, three and a half minutes yeah. while we sell uh, stateside vodka. And uh, I feel bad. So that's why every once in a while I will anticipate and I will throw the break before I actually see our next guest face pop up as joining the stream. And then you hope that their face pops up joining the stream so that when you come back and you just say, hey, look who's here with us. It's our buddy Ed Kurtz. Uh, Kratz. It hurts, Kurtz. You know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, and we haven't been able to run down uh, Mr. Kratz. I think he's sleeping. You think he's sleeping. <laughs> he went to sleep every, on you. Your buddy, your him. boy, yeah. your every partner. You've been uh, dancing with Kratz a hell of a lot longer than you've been dancing with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing your little videos together. Um, he just blew you off. What the hell? Hey, man, it happens. This is a busy time of year. I do this all the time, really. And I say, you know, somebody will ask. I, I, I did it to Ricky in Las Vegas. We had Ricky Ricardo on the show. And, and Yeah, why'd you tell him? I covered for you. I said you were asleep because you had the first thing in the morning. No, flight. well, that's what I'm saying. You get so busy. You get like I saw the text message and I said, all right, when I get back to my hotel, I'll uh, I'll. I'll text Ricky. I can come on. Um, and I just totally forgot because I'm doing other stuff and I'm doing, you know, and you're, I'm writing and then bang. And then you feel bad afterwards. And Ed's like, yeah, I'll do the show at 820. And I'm, I I don't know because he hasn't texted me yet. I'm guessing he's got 16 other things he's got to do. And, then, you know, it slips your mind. That's what happens. This is just you and I, right? There's no one else watching at this time. Uh, just between you and I, um, he went out early to Vegas, right? He did, yeah. And he stayed, and he stayed later late. in Vegas, and he right? Stayed late. Yeah. Stayed late. Got out uh, and brought the misses with him, right? Yes. What do you think the chances are? Ed Kratz is getting lucky right now. We it's know a possibility. He, it's a we possibility. know he got lucky out in Vegas. You don't bring your wife to Vegas if you're not. Don't think you're gonna get lucky. Um, so he's get up for a little Friday morning delight. What do you think? Nah, it's a possibility. Okay. I've never it's met more, his wife. More likely, more likely that he's got. He's looking at the inside of his eyelids rather than more li- yeah, staring more longly into Mrs. Kratz's eyes. Is that what you're telling me, Johnny Mac? More likely he's getting yelled at than getting lucky. <laughs> well, I'll be your... Hopefully he heard your text go through. His phone dinged on his uh, night table and he said, oh, shoot, I forgot Bird six three sixty five. All right. Well, we're hoping to get Ed, Ed Kratz up. 
Um, Jeff Kerr just uh, texted me back. He said he would hop on. I realize uh, we usually get, we get Jeff on twice during the week because uh, depending on your travel schedule, Monday's a possibility. He was on the entire show on Monday. And then Wednesday with uh, COVID testing, usually Jeff uh, hops on as well, uh, but he couldn't do it this Wednesday. So that's why I had Johnny, uh, Eddie, uh, the boss man, Joe Krause, and Barrett Brooks uh, for our Tuesday show, our Wednesday show. Um, so I thought, eh, let's get Kerr up. Let him talk a little bit about the Lions. He said he will hop on at 920. So we'll see if Ed Kratz Yeah, it's up. like an NFL game. You got to adjust, Jody. We adjusted well. Uh, the Eagles have not adjusted well at times this season. Certainly the, the Detroit Lions have not adjusted well at times. Here's the key. I'm actually, now maybe this is misguided, but I think Jonathan Gannon is going to adjust this week. He did say they need to get a little bit uh, more aggressive. Uh, what was the word you used, God? Now I can't think of Challenge. it. Challenge. Challenging. He's going to get, his yeah. defense is going to get up and challenge a little bit more yeah, that's than they have we, in the first seven talking. games of the week. Yeah, you know what that means? Instead, of, I'm not sure of my Michigan City, so don't hold me to this, but that means the safeties are going to play in East Lansing instead of points. So, there you go. Not, uh, not yeah, that. maybe they'll get. Uh, uh, 15 yards uh, within the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I, Steve Nelson was great because Steve was on uh, Mark Barzetta's show, um, who who does the uh, Jacob Media post game show with Derek Gunn and Devin Caney and yours truly sometimes. But um, uh, he he called it genius. They just have to fix uh, a couple things. He called the scheme genius. Um, so we got Steve yesterday. I asked him that. So what's genius about the scheme? <laughs> and you know, it is taking away the big play is genius. Which right. yeah, and ironically, the Eagles have done that for the most part. The Eagles remain near the top of the league in not allowing explosive plays. Right. They were number two. I, I forget what they are this week. I, they're still up there. Um, but, you know, obviously they give up 80%. Last week it was 90% completion percentage. There's got to be a happy medium there. There's got to be a happy medium there. And they haven't been able to find it yet. And uh, I'd come up a little short of calling it genius, but if that's what Stephen Nelson sees, so be it. Um here was a question I was hoping we get Ed on because I wanted to put them and you as well. Um, you're not as, what's the right word, vexed by uh, the whole flower analogy that the coach put out there. Uh, I, you shake your head every single time someone references Doesn't it, bother. usually me. Well, because um, I've talked to a lot of people now, and, I, I'm, and they're not lying. Um, I mean, w w one guy was like, they were now. I will say the the version the Eagles got in the meeting room was uh, different than the one you got. There were a lot of F-bombs dropped in there. And they left that meeting fired up, if anything. Um, you tell me it was an effing plant when the coach yeah. was describing it's it. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny how a couple F-words can change something for people. Um, but, I, but I do think, you know, people think, football tough guys you can't talk about flowers um they don't give a shit about that stuff they really don't that the the method and you know they were fired up when they left that meeting to the point where um 
the Eagles even offered even offered to show some of us uh, video of the meeting. Um, it, it did not go over the way people think it went over. Um, that's all I'm saying. And look, I get it. Uh, when I heard the flower thing originally, I said, oh, but I said, I said, oh, because um, I knew how people outside the building would take it. It wasn't about, you know, it makes sense, the analogy. Um, and and the bigger part of the thing for me is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're fired up. It doesn't matter if they roll their eyes. It doesn't matter. This team's issues are about personnel and scheme and how do you fix those two particular things um i don't care if nick sirianni wants to talk about flowers so everybody's having this argument and the players were fired up i know that for a fact they didn't take it the way the fan base took it but it neither side matters they're battling sort of not battling but whatever you want to call it over something that doesn't matter at the end of the day you know Steven Nelson called it genius, as I said, the defensive game. Well, show it then. Show it. If it's genius, you know, execute it. Uh, same thing offensively. If Nick Sirianni's, uh, we just talked about versus Deuce Staley. If he's a, a better play caller, better play schemer, better play about show it. Show it. That's the problem. And my problem was uh, whether he spiced it up for the players and they were more motivated slash moved by it. Good for Sirianni. If he wanted to, to specifically go down this road and make this point, and he knew how to uh, sell it to his players, that's good. And I hope it does work. And I hope it comes out and shows itself on Sunday against the Lions. But if you have to do two different types of speeches for two different audiences, well, then you got to be smart enough to do it well for your other order. And I don't know that there was a good way to do it if he was heck bent on having a plant growing analogy to motivate and show where the eagles are at at this stage i question whether he should even go down that road if he's going to do it for the media which is in earnest for the fans no it just doesn't work no if- i i agree with that i mean i think the messaging has been bad at times for both of them and i throw I've talked about that with Jonathan Gannon as well. Um, you know, but I don't know, and I say this all the time, I don't know what people want because they hate the Andy Reid type. Um, and, you know, I got to do a better job. We all know how that uh, went over at the end. Anybody who listens to Shane Steichen, if they want to hear that, I mean, that's torture to me. Um, I enjoy when Nick uh, shares his thoughts kind of a goofy guy as i said um i don't have a problem with it i but i don't have a problem with it because i think it's better than the alternative um i don't think it helps i don't think it hinders um and 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 the more important part of his job lose it gets lost in the translation of 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 the press conference stuff and you know it's like the the original press, the introductory press conference. It's like, well, it, it, you know, he's nervous, probably ill-prepared. Uh, you could say all that legitimately. Um, didn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, I, I just think people put too much weight on that kind of stuff. 
Fair enough. And uh, I think the flower conversation will stop at one o'clock on Sunday when they kick it off in Detroit against the Lions. And if you tell me the players were fired up by it, I don't know that it will have any impact on the game. But if it does, hopefully it has a positive one. Here's the bottom line. Can the Eagles actually get some pressure on Jared Goff? Because Jared Goff is a, a potted plant when it comes to playing quarterback. <laughs> he doesn't but- move much. He drops back. He's in the pocket. He's there. He could have a target on his back. He's not going to get out of the pocket and make plays against you. The Lions have given up, I believe it's 17 sacks, which is somewhere in the top 10 of most sacks given up. Uh, that has been one of the downsides to the Eagles defense this year, the uh, bend but don't break defense. They don't bring blitzes. And by the way, the four guys up front who are supposed to be able to get pressure just haven't been able to do so. Is this the week? Well, Javon Hargrave has. Uh, Fletcher Cox gets doubled all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that narrative. Uh, but uh, Har- Hargrave was playing very well last couple of weeks, not as near as much as the first five. And the guys on the uh, ends, Eagles going to get any predator, uh, pressure on a very uh, hittable Detroit quarterback in Jared Goff? Yeah, one of the things I learned about the Lions, you learn things – each week when you delve into the team that uh, the team you cover is playing. Um, and one of the things I learned about the Lions is they they throw everything underneath. I mean, their two best receivers are uh, a running back and a tight end. Um, DeAndre Swift, obviously the Philly kid, uh, went to St. Joe's Prep. And um, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, the tight end, the receivers, you know, nobody knows him. Khalif Raymond's playing Amon uh, uh, Ross St. Brown. Sacramento his brother, who you saw last night uh, for Green Bay. Um, they lead the league in yak, yards after catch. The Detroit Lions. Now, you say, hey, that seems good. Well, is it? Because they're just getting the football out quickly. Right. If you're catching and, it two yards behind the yeah. line of scrimmage, then it's not all that important. Exactly. So to me, it, it's really about you know tackling, uh, and that's been an issue for the Eagles. Um, so if they get if they get that swing pass to Swift, you got to get them down quickly. But if you're looking for that big sack game, and I know everybody wants that big sack game. Yeah, I don't think it's coming again because Goff's getting the ball out quickly. And you mentioned the number of sacks. They don't have a great offensive line, especially not great since they lost their best player by far is Ragnow. He's out. Uh, he's one of the best centers in football. Sewell's getting better, uh, but he's a rookie, obviously, and you know how rookies tend to struggle. Um, it's not a great offensive line, but they just they just they don't allow you to get a, a, a high level, high number of sacks. All right, we are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We know Jeff Kerr is going to join us uh, in hour number two. We're so still waiting for Ed to wake up. We're waiting on Ed Cratch to join us. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Maybe Ed Cratch will be here with us when we come back next here on Birds 365. <laughs>
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Football Friday here on Birds 365. Right Johnny Mack. He's picking Eagles too. Just not with as much fervor as I am because I say they're going to win by double digits. I think. The I wish I could pick no one in this game. Is that possible? You can always pick a tie, buddy. That's true. Uh, we, it's not like we've never the seen odds, one. Though. It was just about a year ago today that they had the infamous tie. With the Bengals, when Doug Peterson, you got to play the odds though. Tie remains unlikely, especially now. Somebody will go for a two-point conversion. Detroit's already proven they'll go for a two-point conversion. True, but they'll also figure out a way to lose on a long field goal. And we know Jake Elliott can make sixty yarders when need be. Thirty-nine yarders—that can be a problem. But sixty yarders, Jake is great at. Um, and uh, you and I, I don't think we ever talked about this uh, because Doug Peterson was already let go by the time Birch 365 started. Uh, we probably talked about it on WIP last year on the week that it was on, but uh, I don't think we've ever done it on this show. I had zero problems with Doug Peterson punting in that game last year against the Bengals. I thought it was the right thing to do. 
that a tie was better than a loss. He played for a tie, no questions asked, um, but it was better than not converting and watching Cincinnati kick the field goal and actually win the game. I thought he did the right thing. Now, I said it at the time. I believed at the time. I still believe it today. We also know what happened the rest of the season. Yeah. The birds just kept losing game after game yeah. after game. At the time, they were still kind of in the mix. And I know they were in the mix all the way till week 16 of uh, that season, but they ended up at 4 11 and 1. So in 2020 hindsight, yeah, I probably would have liked to see Doug Peterson go for it then. But at the time, I was perfectly cool with the tie. Now, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, a tie can actually help you in these types of circumstances if you're going for a playoff. Uh, Oh, I just got an Ed Kratz. Uh, yeah, he was sleeping. Never said as long as. The Kratz will be hopping on in any. Yeah, I don't know. Now he's asking to do nine twenty, so we might we might lose Ed Kratz because we're gonna have Jeff Kerr. But um, anyway, what can you do? These things happen live on uh, live on streaming shows, and you know you're at the mercy of guests. But yeah, I didn't have a problem with the tie because. Uh, yeah, if you're still in it, and we've seen it happen numerous times where a tie will help a team and get them into the playoffs, and uh, you have to think about that way. But when you get to desperation level and both these teams are there, you're not going to get a tie because somebody is going to go for a two-point conversion at the end of the game instead of kicking the extra point, which I think Dan Campbell would do. I wonder if Nick Sirianni would do that. I think Nick Sirianni would play for the tie, but um, in that particular situation, yeah. and and oh by the way, Doug was a very aggressive coach when it came to uh, two point conversions yeah. going forward on fourth. No, down. I mean I mean at the end of the game, not the exact Cincinnati uh, in in overtime, but if <clears throat> like Detroit had a chance to tie in Minnesota with thirty seconds left. They could have kicked the extra point and tied the game, went to overtime. They decided to go for two, um, made it, and lost the game anyway. anyway, Um, I think in that type of circumstance uh, where you're looking at a tie with an extra point late in the game, I think Campbell would go for it again so you wouldn't have a tie. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if Nick Sirianni would do that. You know, at the desperation level, maybe you'd do it. I don't think he'd do it if he were four and three, say. My my guess would be he would kick the extra point and leave it to the genius scheme that is Jonathan Gavin's defense. Just, <laughs> just a guess on, on, on my part. All right. Uh, again, pulling back the curtain. Uh, text Kratz and tell him uh, get get his uh, finely trimmed beard on this show because we need him. Um, and even if it's just a 10 minute segment, I want to get him on record because he, he's been more optimistic than you, uh, maybe even more optimistic. Oh, than me. he's way more optimistic than, than, than me, but he picked the Eagles typically, but he picked the Eagles to lose this week. Really? Then yeah. I want to hear him. Get him on the, yeah. get him on the line. Text is, you know what? Get him on here. We need him to hop aboard. I'm going to ream him if he's picking against the Eagles. Uh, but here's good news, Eagle fans, if you're looking for good news. In addition to the Eagles winning on, on Sunday, which in this specific conversation might not be good news, uh, the Eagles' other potential first-round draft picks, I think, will be enhanced this week. The Miami Dolphins play against Buffalo Bills. 
a little bit of a mismatch. Those two teams have already met this year, and it was blowout central. The Bills have beaten the Dolphins, I think, at six out of the last seven times they played. Uh, Josh Allen has stone-cold owned the Dolphins. I think it's going to be a competitive game. Um, that's one of the games I would play this week. I would definitely take the Dolphins plus 13 and a half points, get almost two touchdowns to a Tungabaloa. Open edition for the Philadelphia Eagles and or anybody else if uh, the Deshaun Watson trade should get done either. Uh, well, I guess it's going to be Monday. As of today, if it doesn't get done today, won't get done on Saturday and or Sunday. They may get it done on Monday. I think Tungabaloa will have a uh, good game on Sunday and uh, tease us all that he could be a guy who could acqu- uh, be acquired. But I do think the Dolphins are going to lose, which is going to help the Eagles as far as the status of the Dolphins' first-round draft pick. And Carson Wentz against the Titans. I'm surprised. They're actually a favorite in that game, Johnny Mack. They're They're playing well. choice over the Titans. Now, I guess the line of thinking is a little bit of a letdown for the Titans because they won the big games that they have the last several weeks. Not in a division game. Not with the team that's closest to you in the standings in your division. You think Tennessee's going to have a letdown this week and Carson Wentz is going to make it three in a row? I don't know, but I think it's good if the Eagles, if the Colts win, Be you know how I think. I think, you know, what the Eagles want to happen when it comes to the draft picks is, you know, have two in the top ten, which is going to be Miami's pick and their pick, their own pick. And then they want – Indianapolis to be in the 16 to 20 range. Um, and, and then maybe I'm, and I'm talking about people that want them to take all three first round picks and want them to use them all. If they have three near the top 10, we were, and I'm not even getting to what, what, at what point will Indy shut down Carson Wentz if they, you know, have a top 10 pick. Um, they're not going to use three top 10 picks, the, the money and, 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 uh, uh, when, when guys are in that range, they would just trade one of them, uh, most likely for a 2023 20, first round pick, go back and, and do something of that nature. Um, if you want them to keep them all, you need Indianapolis to win some games. See what I, uh, I think trading for potential first round picks. And I'm probably not giving Howie Roseman the proper credit that he deserves because if Howie's been good at anything, it's been playing the draft pick game. Now, (laughs) it's one of those things that uh, if you make the wrong bet, it doesn't matter. You can make the right craps roll, but if you don't have the right money on the right number, well, then you don't get paid. No matter how good you look, it doesn't much matter. Howie Roseman's real good at maneuvering around the draft board, but then they don't pick the right players. So it goes, kind of goes by the board. But I think trading for a future first-round draft pick, a current one that you have for a future one, that's a losing proposition because you never know where the pick is going to land. You say that they'll trade one of their own pick. They might end up trading their own pick if they keep the top two and use both of them, and that's the Colts, or, or they trade the Colts pick if it turns out to be one. Yeah, but then what happens if you trade the 16th pick of the draft and the team you traded to turns out to be very good and you're getting back in exchange the 28th pick in the draft? That does not look well. That does not bode well. I'd be real careful with that. What I'd rather do if I were Howie Roseman is trade down. You give up the first round, but you get immediate payoff by getting picks in the draft next year rather than have to wait a year for it. 
Um, you got those three. Yeah, picks. that's a possibility as well. You just trade down in the first round to a place where you're a little bit more comfortable. Um, but something of that nature is more likely than taking, you know, two, six, for lack of argument, in 10. I mean, they're not taking two, six, and 10. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, um, it's never happened before for a reason. And and unfortunately, you know, salary cap is part of this. And you'd like to say just get the players, but you got to be realistic about it as well. You got to be able to play that game too. And that's one uh, that Howie has been aggressive in playing over the years. And right now the Eagles have salary cap flexibility in it. If they wanted to do something, they had a play, they could. They've got space in this year, but they'd rather just carry that over into next year's cap. We'll see how that plays itself out. But I think both the Colts, you, you saying you think, you're actually rooting for the Colts to win this week because I'm not. Well, I don't I'm root rooting for, for anybody, lose. but I, I, I think it's better for the Eagles. As I said, if you get two per two top ten picks, which they're on track with their own in Miami, and then the Colts win some games and they're in that twenty range, I think that's eighteen to twenty is probably the best case scenario for the Eagles. I think uh, it'll be in the high teens, but uh, that's okay. And, by the way, I don't think they beat the Titans this week. I, I got strong feelings about a bunch of games in the NFL this weekend, one of which is the Eagles. I've got them winning by double-digit points at some point. Uh, oh, there go. he is. He there he is. In. Yeah. Right, we can spend a couple. Oh, that's what he needed. That's why he wasn't ready to come on. He hadn't had his coffee yet. Cracks <laughs> needed his coffee. That's why he's hopping out with us now. Wiping the eyes. See, that was my guess. Yeah, Cody had a much more intriguing guess. I'm like, Ed probably just because the same thing happens to me. I did it to poor Ricky Ricardo. I, I was telling <laughs> Jody, uh, uh, you know, I was going to get back to my hotel room in Vegas and text Ricky and say, I'll come on. I just totally forgot. I just totally spaced it off. Uh, we get a lot of requests this time of year. So I'm assuming Ed just spaced it off. Well, I wish I, I wish I had some better excuse, guys. You know, like I hit the Powerball or you know something really good and juicy. <laughs> well, Jody had a good one. You were getting lucky. That's yeah. what he had. <laughs> I thought this was just a carryover from your weekend foray in Vegas. That the misses was still amorous. It, it was almost that. a week we were out there, Jody. It felt like a month. We went out early and came back late. But man, I feel like I've been gone for you know for a month. I'm I'm still catching up. Let's put it that uh, way. We're glad you caught up with us for at least a couple of minutes. Yeah, thank uh, you. McMullen tells me you're picking the Lions. I just can't, you know, I just can't get sucked back into this Eagles trap. I mean, <laughs> I picked them last week against the, the Raiders and, uh, you know, paid the penalty there. It was, it was a blowout. And I, I, I just think the Lions are playing really good football, better than what the Eagles are playing. They're 0-7, Ed. How can they be playing really good football and be 0-7? <laughs> The best 0-7 team in the NFL. The only 0-7 team in the NFL. They're the worst freaking team in the NFL. Yeah, I well, listen, I know. And you, you look at the rosters, and clearly the Eagles have a better roster. But, you know, the, the Lions are going to get off the schneid one of these days. They're not going to go 0-16. I don't think this is – I, I don't think. And, and this is a real good opportunity for the Lions. And that's the way I think they're looking at this, is, hey, we, we can finally win yes, this game. Yes, Super Bowl. They think yeah. they can win this game. Yeah, I, I just think this is a big game for the Lions, as it is for the Eagles, obviously. But, boy, the, the way Philadelphia is playing, it's just hard to really put my chips in 
uh, you know, on their side of this. I, I really think the Lions are going to give them a game. It's going to, it's going to, they've lost a couple games by field goals. I think this is the game where the Lions are going to win by a field goal. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's go back to bed. If you can't believe the Eagles are going to win this game, go back to friggin'. I I have the Eagles winning the game by Jake Elliott, 54-yard field goal or something of that nature. So I I think it's going to be that close in in the game. So I can see it, obviously, if you're that close, any uh, – the football going one way or the other can can shift the game. But – I, I I do want because of what's gone on this weekend and flower power and how much hype that's gotten. Um, again, being away I think helps the Eagles. I said that last week in Las Vegas because of how much criticism they're under locally. Yeah. But what w- what is your take on just how this? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Week is gone, and how everyone has reacted to that press conference and that analogy. It overblown or is it is it a bigger deal than I make it out to be? No, you know, listen, I, I agree. Being on the road probably helps the Eagles. I thought it would help in Vegas last week. It didn't. Uh, you know, they've won both their games on, on the road in Carolina and in Atlanta. So, yeah, I think there is something to that. Uh, as far as what this week with, the you know, the whole flower analogy. Uh, li- listen, at the time that it came out, I – I was rolling my eyes and I, and I, I think, think everybody was, everybody but. was, uh, you know, and you wonder, geez, how, how can the players lo- listen to this kind of message and, and not roll their eyes also. But, you know, as the time passes and you think, okay, well, you know, he mixed in a couple F bombs, I guess with it, you know, he was a little bit more motivational than just, Oh, here's a flower and here's the roots and oh, we're going to water and we're going to fertilize. Yeah. And we're going <laughs> to pop. Uh, I think there was a lot <laughs> of sexual innuendo in that, by the way, which people didn't pick up on. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but, you know, I just think that there was a little bit more to it than that, a little bit more motivational <laughs> than, than just that. And um, so, you know, when, when a couple hours pass, you start to think, OK, well, I'm sure there was more to it than that. And then we talked to the players and they they also said that, you know, listen, he has a unique way of telling stories and. They're still buying in. Uh, and, and listen, this probably would have been a cute little story had the Eagles been five and two and not two yeah, and five. Yeah. Uh, just like when, you know, he showed his videos of Kobe Bryant and all that stuff at the start of training, you know, during training camp when we all made a big deal of that. We thought, hey, that, you know, that's pretty cool. Good emotional or good uh, motivational uh, type stuff. So, had this been a team that's five and two and he's talking about flowers, then then maybe it's like, oh, you know, this Sirianni guy, he's pretty cool, but they're two and five. And it's not a good look that he's showing professional football players, grown men, images of flowers. Eddie Kay, is this the week we say Boston Scott to the rescue? He got his fair share of carries last week when Miles Sanders went out. We know Sanders is out for Sunday again. People are talking about 
someone being promoted from the practice squad at the running back position, Jordan Howard, um, probably going to happen. But I got to believe that Boston Scott is going to be the main carrier of the football on Sunday. I know they want to throw the football more than run. If they're going to run it, they're going to let Jalen Hurts run it. But I think that Boston Scott could actually be sitting on a big game. How about you? Uh, yeah, I agree. I really, I've always liked Boston Scott. I've always thought he had a role in this offense. <clears throat> I was kind of surprised when, you know, the first six games go by and he really didn't have a role in this offense. The, that job as Miles Sanders backup went to the rookie Kenny Gainwell. And uh, Gainwell had a really big fumble there at the end of the first half in, in Vegas. Uh, you know, the Eagles, maybe they score points to down 14-7 at the time. The Raiders take a take advantage of that and kick a field goal and go up 17-7 at halftime. That, that's a big mistake by the rookie. Uh, I think Gainwell is going to be the guy that's going to get a lot of the reps, but you're going to see some Boston Scott too. And if, if Gainwell makes another mistake early, uh, I'd be surprised if we saw him and this doesn't go to Boston Scott and even Jordan Howard. But I've always liked Scott. Uh, I think he's a very quick, a very explosive player. Uh, I think he hits the holes hard when he gets the ball in the run game. And, of course, he can catch the ball and, and turn it upfield and make some plays that way, too. So uh, I'm excited about this being a possible Boston Scott game. But I think right now they're going to try to get Gainwell involved early and then maybe they'll mix in Scott. And if something happens with Kenny Gainwell with a mistake, then I think Boston Scott's role will grow in the game. Well, I'm going to tell you guys why this is not going to be a Boston Scott game. Well, two reasons, actually. One is it's not the New York Giants. Then we know that's when Boston shows up, when the Giants are on the schedule. But the second reason, the more important reason, is you go back to week two in San Francisco. They were down uh, two starting corners, and – we all know how Nick Sirianni went about that, and it didn't work. Now, this week, the Lions are already down two starting corners, so they're playing two rookie free agents, Jerry Jacobs and A.J. Parker in the slot. And, oh, by the way, A.J. Parker's probably not going to play, and Jerry Jacobs missed practice with an illness. So they're even further down on the depth chart. He's going to throw the football, throw the football, throw the football. And I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, they can't throw the football. But he's going to see that what Detroit is trotting out at cornerback and say, how do you not throw the football? Well, that's that's good points. Um, but listen, this, this you know, Sirianni tried to run the ball in, in Vegas. You know, he came up under center. Uh, a few times to try to run the ball. I, I think he's going to try to run the football at least a little bit. I know the Lions are, are you know short-staffed at the, at the corner position, but I just think he's going to try to run this ball, and I think he's going to try to control the game and assert some physicality on the Lions. I mean, to just go back to what was not working in previous weeks after, you know, let's face it, it worked a little bit. The Eagles ran the ball pretty well against Vegas. They just fell behind by so big of a number. Uh, that they really couldn't keep doing that. So I, I think that they're going to try to run the ball. I really do. I think, you know, Sirianni sees that that's what they kind of need to do to get this offense going now. Uh, <clears throat> I, how much he runs and versus the throw, I don't, I don't know. But I think they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more than they have in the past and not just rely <clears throat> on the throw. And even in the, throwing, even in the passing game, John, I think Boston Scott has a role. You know, I like him on those wheel routes, and you're right, he plays well against the Giants. But, you know, I think he's just a good player overall and somebody that, you know, they should use, whether he's 
running it or th throwing him the ball, kind of like they use Gainwell on those short underneath crosses or, you know, even a wheel route. Let's see a wheel route or two coming out of the backfield with him. The Eagles will be up 14-3 at the half, knowing they're getting the ball at the second half because they'll win the toss, and of course <laughs> they will defer. Um, but despite that, they get up 14-3. Uh, and I don't think even Jeff Laurie can complain if you're up 14-3 at half and you start your second half, come out, run the football down the other team's throats. Yeah. Milk the clock up 14-3. Uh, you know, listen, <clears throat> I know people don't like to run the ball, but look at the Packers last night in that, you know, against the uh, the Cardinals. I mean, they ran the heck out of the football. I know they didn't have any wide receivers yeah, and stuff. they were but... down to everybody at wide receiver. Yeah, but boy, those, you know, those two running backs they had ran hard, and the Eagles have running backs that will run hard. I just like you know, I know you're not going to win a game by running the ball, though the Packers kind of showed that you can. Um, but I, I just think that there's a, a physicality. I think Brandon Staley said that when he was asked about the running game, the, the coach out in Los Angeles who brings his chargers here next week, uh, yeah. that, that it, it, you need that running game to bring the physicality to your to your offense. And, you know, I, I agree with that 100%. And, I listen, the Eagles, by not running the ball, whether it's Jeffrey Lurie's edict or, you know, just the way Nick Sirianni likes to play, they're making a mistake. I think they need to find ways to, to run the ball at least, you know, 15 times a game, if not more. And and that's more than just Jalen Hurts, you know, running for his life, scrambling, uh, you know, on a pass play. I want to see these designed runs, and I want to see them assert their physical. This is a big offensive line that they need to take better advantage of. Yeah, I wonder if you think about uh, obviously the Packers, as you mentioned, Ed, no Devontae Adams, no uh, Scantling, no, uh, they were, uh, Alan Lazard didn't play as well. So they were down to their fourth, fifth, and sixth receivers. And oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers can still make some plays. But you're right, they went uh, run heavy. My question is, do you think the shareholders uh, went to Matt LaFleur and said, you can't win the football game that way? Because that's what <laughs> that's what Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni got to deal with. Uh, you know, so that part of it is, you're right, you need to have some balance. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, the balance has come from Jalen Hurts, though. It's a non-traditional running game. The Eagles have actually been pretty effective running the football. It just comes from the quarterback. So what makes that less important than just turning around and handing the football off? Or is it just as important? Well, I think, again, if you're if you're pounding the ball up the middle or just going off tackle, I think it allows your offensive line to get a little bit more physical. If you're just letting Jalen Hurts, you know, run from out of the pocket, you're, you start out as a pass blocker, and then all of a sudden you have to become a run blocker. Let's just see these guys fire off the ball. You know, Dickerson's a big guy. Obviously, Lane Johnson is. Jordan Mulata, uh you know, Driscoll and Kelsey, not so much, but, you know, they can they can run block and to just let them come off the line, knowing that they're handing the ball off and not counting on Hertz to kind of sweep left or right or, you know, which he does. That's how he picks up his yards uh, is is out of the pocket. And I just want to see a traditional handoff and, and assert some physicality and mix things up and keep things balanced. I hate when a quarterback throws 45 times a game or 40 times a game. I like to see some, you know, I like to see some balance and watching the Packers run the ball. Now their running backs were picking up, you know, nice yard, hard fought yards, Dylan and, and Jones. 
Um, that was fun to watch. You know, I like to see that punishing style. Uh, and people say, oh, well, the screen game is an extension of the run game. I mean, no, it, it, I guess it is in one respect, but in the other, it's it's not that physicality that you like to see your offensive line assert and dominate up front and, and get confidence um, and, and wear on a defensive line, wear them down. So the pass rush isn't as effective in the fourth quarter or the third quarter even. So, um, yeah, I hope that Nick sees that after, you know, first seven weeks of the season as, as a rookie head coach. I hope he sees that and understands that and Lurie lets him do that. Even though I'm rooting for and kind of predicting a Boston's got pretty big game, I'm also hoping for a big Devonta Smith breakout here. And um, other rookie wide receivers are doing more than Devonta Smith. Um, uh, he gets a touchdown on his first ever grab in the National Football League, and we're waiting for touchdown grab number two. I watched Cooper Cup just destroy this defense last week to the tune of 150 yards. Could this be Devonta's big breakout week? Yeah, you keep waiting. Uh, you know, he had a couple bad plays in, in Vegas last week, a couple drops, made a really nice catch, I think, late in the first half, uh, you know, nice uh, right on the sideline, got both feet in, good extension. Um, yeah, I, I would hope that this is a game that Devontae Smith can catch five or six passes and get in the end zone. I'd also like to see them get Quez Watkins uh, more involved with deep passes. I mean, I – they don't seem to take as many deep shots as I thought they might with Wes uh, Watkins. I don't know if it's because of the protection up front or, you know, Jalen Hurts tends to bail pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, Quez has that speed and he just they don't seem to be utilizing it as well as I thought they would. Uh, you know, we saw that 91 yard catch that didn't result in a touchdown. I think that was against the 49ers, but we really haven't seen them come back to to any of that really deep stuff. I think they tried maybe one other time that I can remember. Maybe, John, you can remember more. But, uh, you know, they didn't – but, but it went incomplete. I think there was a pass they tried deep after that Niners game. They fell incomplete. But we haven't seen that much. But, yeah, Devontae Smith's the number one pick. Jalen Rager's the number one pick. He hasn't been involved at all. Um, you know, you would like to see all these receivers kind of get more involved. And Devontae Smith is kind of the bell cow of this offense. He's the guy you want to get the ball to. He, But, you know, he, he hasn't caught it when it's gone his way. At least he didn't in Vegas. And, you, and maybe they start to get him more involved. Like when we saw that touchdown game, Jody, he, they fed him the ball four straight times, uh, four straight possessions. And you thought, okay, this yeah. is where you're going to play him. And we just haven't seen them do that much. Like, you know, let's see that concerted effort to try to throw him the ball, you know, play after play after play to get him, you know, kind of into a rhythm. Haven't seen that. Um, maybe this week we will. Defensively, Ed, it's also been a difficult week for Jonathan Gannon after the latest quarterbacks over 80%, Derek Carr over 90% completion percentage. Uh, we know Fletcher Cox thought Steve Nelson thinks it's genius, the defensive scheme, but they haven't been able to 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 execute it. Where do the safeties line up? Flint or East Lansing this week? Do they make adjustments? Uh, are, are they going to challenge um, Jared Goff in that Lions offense a little bit more? Nick said it. Jonathan said it. You got to challenge more. What does that mean? Well, listen, this Lions receiving core isn't, you know, it's certainly not the Dallas Cowboys or some of these great receiving trios we've seen the Eagles play so far this year, or even two of them. I mean, there's a, 
I think a rookie, Amon Ross St. Brown, and yeah. got another guy that I, you know, I can't Holy recall right Raymond, now. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's not it's not any great shake. So it really shouldn't matter where they're lined up. They should be able to the cornerback slay, and Nelson should be able to control these receivers. And then you have your tight end, who's probably the best of them, T.J. Hawkinson. Um, you know, you want to find a way to cover him, whether it's with a linebacker or you know maybe you bring Anthony Harris. I'm not sure Anthony Harris is going to play. He's been questionable. Uh, for practice yesterday, I don't think he practiced on on Wednesday. He's got the thumb, the two thumb injuries, and a groin injury. Um, but listen, I I don't think this is going to be a big stress on the secondary type day. I don't. They shouldn't. There should be adjustments, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Eagles should be able to control this offense. Uh, you know, with their front four. Uh, you know, against an offensive line with Halapulavati Vitai. Uh, up front there playing guard and their rookie pick Penny Sewell at, at tackle. But I still think the Eagles should be able to control this game up front. Um, the Lions are an offense that haven't scored more than, I think, 19 points. You, you mentioned yesterday, I think, John, to me. Yeah, that since week one, yeah. Since week one, they haven't scored over 19 points. So I, I think, you know, you should be able to control these receivers with your corners and let your safeties kind of play wherever they're going to play, uh, you know, and it's not going to matter. I really think that um, you, you, because th- this shouldn't be a game where the Lions score more than three touchdowns, no matter where they play. All right, Ed Kretsch, last question is a multiple choice question. Feel pre- free to pick or choose which one of these three answers you want to go with since you're uh, predicting an Eagles loss. Um, going to be difficult on either of either of the three, uh, but which will Nick Sirianni refer to in his postgame press conference? Will it be, I don't care. We're still doubling down on our core values. <laughs> Will it be? I'm sorry. I still saw a dog mentality down out there. Or will it be, all right, the flower didn't bloom just yet, but we still have faith. With the fertilizer that we have in Philadelphia, this will come through the soil sooner or later. Which of the three is most likely to be part of Nick Sirianni's postgame repartee? <sighs> Well, that's a tough one. Listen, I, I don't like You're the fertilizer always, yeah. thing. I live out here in the country in Bucks County, and it when they fertilize out here, boy, it smells awful. So you, <laughs> so you hope that it's not, not doing too much over-fertilizing uh, because it stinks. I'm going to go with uh, the dog mentality. That's oh, kind of been their concept. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a smart bet right there. Yeah, that dog mentality. Followed by a close second, the double down. But uh, dog mentality is the winner for me. Uh, he gets away from fertilizer. That's probably a pretty good call on your part. Even though you got it wrong, Eagles are going to win this week. All right, Kratz, go back to bed. Thanks for getting up. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. That's our guy, <clears throat> Kratz, here with us on Birds 365. All right, quick timeout. Come back. If Jeff Kerr's awake, he's going to come on with us. And yeah. he takes me back, so I'm assuming he's awake. Well, he might have went back to sleep. Yeah, you never true. know. We made him close away. Well, we'll get him up on close to on time. Uh, McDonald and McMullen, Birds 365, Mac and Mac guys, Jeff Carr next.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac here on Birds 365. We got the Eagles and the Lions on Sunday in Detroit Motor City. We'll get uh, the insight of a, another Birds 365 host. He's here filling in whenever Johnny Mac can't do it. We're glad to have him today. We want to get his thoughts on Eagles Lions. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com uh, with us. All right, Mr. Kerr, uh, you've had all week to think about the Eagles. We had you on Monday. Uh, unfortunately, licking the wounds of the Raiders' loss in Vegas. Have things gotten better or worse for the Eagles since? Well, it all depends how much you want to elaborate on the flower comments. I mean, <laughs> that's kind, kind of what I was leaning toward. I needed your take on it. I mean, for all you Beauty and the Beast fans out there, I consider the Eagles more of the rose where the petals keep falling than the flower that's growing. But th- that's just me. Uh, uh, overall, I-, I try not to make too much fun of it, but you have to get your flower jokes in with this football team right now. It's They're a mess, and I, I know everybody's trying to play revisionist history this week with, oh, what if they didn't trade Carson Wentz? And what if they would have hired Deuce Staley as their head coach? And, you know, this and that. And I just keep looking at it, look, they should beat this football team Sunday. Do I think they'll beat the Detroit Lions? 
I don't know because Detroit's 0-7. And, uh, Jody, you and I have gone back, back and forth on this. They do play hard every game, and I'm a little more optimistic about the Detroit Lions than I am the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Joe, yeah, Jody's down on the Detroit Lions. I'm with you, Jeff. I mean, they they could have won two games. It, it, obviously, they didn't. That's all that matters. But uh, they have been playing hard for the most part. But I would say that for the Eagles as well. That's not one criticism I would give uh, to either Nick Sirianni or Dan Campbell. But, uh, I mean, the bottom line is both of these cities should have expected growing pains from, um, you know, Dan has done it before as an interim guy, but you know, when it's your job um, and, and Nick Sirianni is a complete rookie head coach. I don't know. I mean, can we give the guy more than seven games? Is that overreaction? I, I, I think, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and I still shake my head today how quickly people turned on him. I, I, I remember writing after the Eagles won in Minneapolis. I said, all right, that's a lifetime dispensation, dispensation card for Doug Peterson. I literally wrote that. I believed it at the time. I said, they've been waiting for this thing forever. Uh, 1960, first Lombardi trophy. They finally got it. I said, all right, this guy's good. You know, a blank check. Three years later, out, out the door. But, I mean, if you want Doug Peterson fired, if you want Jim Schwartz fired, and everybody wants Howie Roseman fired, and then you're seven games into the next head coach, and you want him fired, and the next defensive quarter, and you want him fired. You become the Cleveland Browns, and you want to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. You want 1968 to 2021 with three head coaches. That's the way you're a consistent winning team in the NFL. That's my opinion. Yeah, my issue with the whole, you got rid of Doug Pearson, you got rid of Jim Schwartz, you got rid of Carson Wentz. Okay, fine. You should have just cleaned house and said how he's going to, and you should just start from a new. But – I, sometimes I have this feeling they brought in Nick Sirianni to fix Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz didn't want to be fixed. Carson Wentz, at least here, he wanted to go where he was comfortable. And I don't blame him. You know, it, it, it's his right. It's his right as an NFL player. He saw the dumpster fire that we all see and we all talk about every day. And he was probably like, okay, you know what? I, I need a change of scenery. Uh, I want to go back to the Midwest. He got his wish. Uh, do I like how he did that? Probably not. But, you know, he never said anything about it. I kind of hope he never does say anything about Simon time in Philadelphia, especially last year. But I would have gotten rid of Roseman, Pearson, and Wentz if you're going to do a clean slate. Not keep the guy who is partially responsible for the mess that, that has become. And you were already a week late into the coaching search anyway. Now, do I think Nick Sariani is going to be a good head coach? I, I don't know. I don't like what I've seen through seven games so far, but – I'm willing to give him more than seven games, but I, I got to tell you, John, uh, around the league, you know, when you hear overwhelmed, that's scary. Through seven games already? I, I mean, it, things can change, but I, because I remember what they said about Doug Pearson's first year, too, but you saw positive growth. You saw that flower blooming. It's funny. We had uh, Ricky Ricardo, voice of the Eagles in Espanol earlier in the week, and uh, he said, in over their heads. That was the phrase that he used to describe the Eagle coaching staff. And I've seen at least three or four other 
media members go to that exact phrase since more so after the flower commentary. But uh, that's uh, uh, we've already talked about flowers and uh, John thinks we beat this to death. So I'll, I'll leave that one alone. Um, Eagles on the road. Good thing or bad thing, Jeff Carr. They've only won two games. Both of them came on the road. They seem to be better away from uh, Lincoln Financial Field. If I tell you that's one of the reasons why I'm picking the Eagles, because they're not at home this week, would you agree? Well, I would agree with you until last week, but they do seem to play better on the road. And last week was just a train wreck. I mean, you can say the final score was 33-22 all you want until you blew in the face. It was 30-7 to when I checked out that game and, you know, started writing all my stuff. But I think what the Eagles need to do here is get off to another fast start. And again, they did get off to a fast start last week, and then they decided to let Derek Carr complete anything across the middle of the field. So I don't know if Jared Goff will be able to do that. He is not on Derek Carr's level. By the way, guys, here's an interesting stat for you, and I really hope the Eagles don't provide, don't change the narrative here. Jared Goff has never won a game in the NFL when Sean McVay is not his head coach. He's never won one. He's Owen like 13 or Owen 14. And the Lions are on an 11-game losing streak day back the last year. So I'm really hoping this doesn't change. I, I think for a team like Detroit, like the Eagles, they do play hard. You got to get out there. You got to build not a 7 nothing lead, but you got to make it double digits early. You got to have this team thinking, okay, woe is me again, or, you know, what's going to happen here? And, again, maybe Detroit gets a little pass happy at that point, and then maybe the Eagles could tee off like they did in, in the Atlanta Falcons game in week one, but, I think Eagles just got to get off to a fast start. I think they do have to commit to running the ball. I, I'm assuming Jordan Howard's going to get elevated from the practice squad. Then you got to mix and match Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Howard. And you really do got to show a commitment there. I, I, you know, Nick did that last week. I was proud of the guy. And then Miles Sanders got hurt. And then I think that's where the whole overwhelm comments came in. He's like, well, what do I do now? I, I think if Jared Goff is listening to the show, Jeff, he just had a Jeff Fisher flashback and you – you just got him really upset. But, uh, yeah, uh, the fact that he hasn't been able to win without Sean McVay is, is you know, until you do it, uh, people are going to keep bringing that up. And rightfully so. Look, it's an 0-17. But I want you to put your Nick Sirianni cap on, and you're done your gardening for the day, and you're, you're game planning. You're sitting there in, in – in, you're, you're trying to say, okay, how am I going to go about beating the team that's going to bite your kneecaps for 60 minutes? Um, and everybody's saying, well, you got to run the football. You don't have Miles Sanders. You got to be more physical. But you got to get Devontae Smith involved. Uh, you know, they're playing two undrafted rookie cornerbacks, not only rookie, undrafted. And oh, by the way, one of them is hurt. So they may even be further down the depth chart. Um, it's been TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift in the passing game for the Lions. What what's your game plan? What are you leaning on to beat the Detroit Lions from an offensive perspective? Oh, well, from an offensive perspective, I would definitely attack their cornerbacks. I mean, you pretty much explained it right there, John. They just don't have anything right now. And um their number three overall pick last year, Jeff um, I can never pronounce his name. Okuda. Yeah, Okuda. Yeah. Okuda. yeah he's one of those guys that I thought was a great pick for them, thought he was going to be really good. And lo and behold, he's been injured. And when he has been on the field, he hasn't been effective. And, you know, Detroit's just a mess in the defensive secondary. I mean, Quandre Diggs is, is well, no, he's not even there anymore. You know, I forgot he got yeah. traded. So 
Yeah, yeah, he's in Seattle. Yeah, uh, as much I know. I'm still thinking Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs are back there, and obviously Tracy Walker is probably their best player. He, yeah, yeah, Tracy Walker's still there. That, that's yeah. so. Yeah, he's a decent safety. Yeah, but for me, that whole secondary is just an absolute mess from the two Lions games I was able to watch this year. And to me, it's you attack, you attack them deep, you attack the middle of the field. And Jalen Hurts, this is a game where, dare I say it, you have to throw toward the middle of the field. You have to take your chances. If he throws two interceptions and 400 yards this week, so be it. I mean, I don't think he's going to actually throw for 400 yards, but I think this is a game where you got to challenge this Detroit team because they do have a good front four. Like, I know Trey Flowers is struggling, but Romeo Okura was pretty good, and he's going to be a good challenge for them going forward. I mean, he was double-digit sacks last year. Yeah, but uh, he's hurt, Julian. But Julian's played well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Julian, Julian's in there too. That, that's yeah. right. But uh, and Charles Harris has come out of nowhere. But yeah, uh, Maryland I, Eagles are interested in Charles Harris. Like, yeah, yeah. He's he's actually they they've actually been pretty good off the edges, which I think will surprise people. Um, as far as you know, they they go with a three four look. And it's pretty much been Flowers and, and Julian Oquara and Charles Harris. Those are the three guys. Uh, and they've gotten pretty good pressure. But you're, you're right. Now, Jody, Jody, like, Jody's a big Devontae Smith guy. I'm not letting out any secrets here. Um, and, you know, I won't speak for him. And he, he can jump in if I'm wrong. But, you know, he wants to see a breakout Devontae Smith game. And you see some other rookie receivers in this league putting up big numbers, most notably Jamar Chase. Here's the problem, though. You don't have to high-volume thrower. I've been saying this with Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager last year. Well, look who Justin Jefferson's quarterback is. Look who uh, Jamar Chase's quarterback is. These are high-volume throwers. Devontae Smith is not going to put up big numbers in this offense. Am I wrong? I thought he'd have a good year in spite in spite of his shortcomings or, or not his shortcomings, but Nick Sirianni's and Jalen Hurts's. And but yeah, you're right, John. It's like we keep looking at what Jamar Chase has done and what Jalen Wallace doing. Why Jalen Wallace is not in the best situation either. Between no, two and but he's got a lot of catches. I mean, yeah. to me, Devonta Smith has been okay. Hasn't been terrible. You know, he's not a bust, but you see the potential there. The problem is. I just don't think he has enough weapons surrounding him. Like Jamar Chase, he is the alpha in Cincinnati's passing game, but you got guys like, you know, T. Higgins in that offense, you know, uh, Tyler Boyd, uh, C.J. Azuma, guys like that. You got guys around him. Like, who do you got for Devonta Smith? It's Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, Jalen Rager, he only seems to show up when the games are over. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I want to hear Jody's thoughts on this. Yeah, I think he's had a disappointing year. I thought he was going to be better than this. Uh, and, oh, by the way, this is the Philadelphia Eagles we're talking about, right? Well, the owner wants him to throw the ball nine out of every ten plays. So if the quarterback is not a high-volume thrower, somebody's screwing up somewhere. Maybe uh, Mr. Well, that's why they're off. going to get another quarterback in next year. It's just a matter of who to me at this point. It's just a matter of who. Yeah, but who's it going to be? Malik Wills, Carson Strong? I mean, they're really – Any pick it. Kenny Pickett. Okay. NFL people are losing their minds over Kenny Pickett. He did look good last week, but the fifth-year quarterback. Good luck with that. Um, but listening to you two guys, 
uh, extol the virtues of all these players on the Lions, how the hell are they 0 and 7? If they got all these players that are playing so well, goal to beat them. And another guy kicked a 54 yard field goal. It's the only kick Greg Joseph's probably oh. made in the last three weeks. I kid, yeah. I kid. Yeah. Oh. No. Uh, well, you're right, but but I point out that they're they've actually, you know, statistically gotten a lot of edge pressure, as I said, near the top of the league. I think they're sixth or seventh. Well, I'm just telling you. But I've also said you know, how bad the cornerbacks are. So you're only listening to one part of what I'm saying. There's plenty of bad on the Lions, a ton of bad. Um, but there is more good than I think people realize. Like the, the passing game, they lead they lead the league in, in, in yak yardage, which I told Jody, which I was shocked by. And I'm, But that's not necessarily a good thing because right. they throw that everything underneath. Yeah, and, Goff and, doesn't take any shots. At, not like he really has anybody to take shots downfield with. They no. thought that it thought it was going to be Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams. Well, Williams is hurt, and Perriman was cut. He's on the Bears now. So, I mean, really, your best receiver is Amamra St. Brown. And he's getting, you know, they're just putting zone coverage on him all day long, and you know, they're, they're playing guy over the top. So you're going to, like, Quintus Sif and guys like that, and they really – they just don't have the weapons. It, it, it's a shame, but but – Again, this is where I worry about the Eagles. TJ Hawkinson can go off on Sunday, just like, you know, Foster Moreau did the week before and, you know, how, how I thought George Kill was going to do it. If if this if the Eagles were facing the Falcons now, who knows what Kyle Pitts would have done against them. Yeah, oh, Kyle. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The Eagles have only stopped. Well, Kyle Pitts I kind of put away because that was his first game and yeah. he just looked out of sorts. But they kind of stopped Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, but they can't stop anybody else at tight end. Everybody else goes nuts at tight end. So maybe TJ Hawkinson is not at their level, so they put some effort into trying to stop him. But, Jeff, that defense, I think, you know, Nick Sirianni did Jonathan Gannon a solid this week because Jonathan Gannon was taking all the heat right up until the flower comment. Now Jonathan Gannon's like, Nobody cares about Jonathan Gannett, but they have to do something different. And you don't have a deep threats. There's no Tyree Kill out there, as you mentioned, with Khalif Raymond yeah. and Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, why you can't play your safeties in Ann Arbor, you know, Michigan's where's Michigan playing? Michigan State, East Lansing, I guess. East Lansing. You can't play him in East Lansing. You don't need to play him in East Lansing. Do they do something different on on the defensive side of the ball this week? I think they have to make the adjustment. I think you got to listen to your Fletcher Coxes and your Darius Slays. I even think Steve Nelson's a veteran enough where you got to play the safeties in a little more. I, I think you got to say, you know what, if you're going to beat us, we're not going to. You're going to earn it, but you're going to earn it a different way, as John Fagan likes to point out. You're going to have to beat us with 70-yard passes down the field. You're not just going to dink and dunk your way into the end zone. It's, it's just not going to happen. You know, Khalif Raymond is going to have to beat us up top, or DJ Hawkinson is going to have to make 40, 50-yard catches. And, you know, I, again, that's not exactly his game, but that's what you got to do. And I would like to see that. I, I know, dare I say it, because every Eagles fan says it on the planet, blitz more. And here's what I worry about, John about them blitzing more, I don't know if they have the personnel on the front four to even do that right now. Like, uh, Derek Barnett has as many sacks as everybody in this chat combined. Zero. So, 
I'm looking at that, and you know, I I don't know what's going on with Josh Sweat. Maybe he's being put in a position kind of like Fletcher Cox. You know, he's getting paid to get sacks, not cover screens. But again, I, this team just really misses certain players on offense and defense. And Brandon Graham has definitely been one of those guys. I I think that's really hurt what Jonathan Gannon is trying to do. So when Brandon Graham says he doesn't have the personnel like he said on the post game show a couple weeks ago, I think he meant him per se. Oh, yeah. I saw Brandon this week. He wasn't shy about it. He said he it, at least he's getting an extra year. <laughs> JM, uh, by, by the way, uh, you were talking about um, high-volume throwers, Cars, uh, Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrows. Uh, Burrow this year, volume throw, 24th in the NFL, uh, 32 quarterbacks, 212. Um, Kirk Cousins right now ranked... 14th in the NFL most throws. Jalen Hurts, 11th. He is more of a high-volume thrower no, no, than no, that's not what I mean. That's not, that's not what I mean. To be a receiver, uh, to be a, 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 a big-time receiver, you have to be with a, a, a quarterback that throws for a lot of yards. So, I mean, Joe's a very young quarter, quarterback, so – and I brought this up the other day on the show. Joe Joe's a very young quarterback, so you can project him. You see what he's going to be. So I went back in Cousins, and and you know going back to his days in Washington, again, seventy percent for forty one hundred yards. That's twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, sixty seven percent, forty nine hundred yards, twenty seventeen. 64% bad year for him, 4,000 plus yards. 2018, 70%, over 70, 4,300 yards. 2019, 69%, uh, up near 4,000. 2020, 68%, 4,300. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Accuracy, throwing the football, volume. I'm not talking about individual. I'm not talking about where the football goes. You can go, like we just talked about with the lines. You you can throw the football to T.J. Hawkinson, who has whatever thirty eight receptions at the line of scrimmage, and he might go get fifteen yards, whatever. Uh, when you're a receiver like Justin Jefferson, you're a receiver like Jamar Chase. Yeah, you might go deep. You also might just get the ball on the hitch, but you're going to get the ball, and you're going to get the ball consistently. The Eagles don't get the ball consistently to receivers. Because the accuracy is not there from the quarterback. Um, the decision-making is not there from the quarterback. They're just not a high-volume passing well, offense. Perfect example yeah. was Sunday. You, you and I don't share the definition of volume. Volume, to me, means number of throws. The quality of throws, the outcome of throws is something altogether. Volume describes how many times you throw it. Number of throws. And Jalen Hurts has thrown it more than either of those two quarterbacks. Well, so that's I, why I didn't I, understand the high, point you're trying high, to make. High, high, yeah, but number that, of throws. But, Jody, you're getting caught up in the semantics. Whatever the definition is, successful passer who throws for a lot of yards, who throws for a high completion percentage. So whatever definition you want to put on that, the Eagles don't have that. So the receivers can't be Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Now, I'm not saying – they have Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase because I don't think they have that that player. But I think Devontae Smith has the opportunity to be that type of player. So whatever type of definition 
you want to put on what Kirk Cousins is, what Joe Burrow is, what quarterbacks like that are, whatever term you want to use, the Eagles don't have that. So until they get that, their best receiver is never going to be those types of receivers from a number standpoint. Right. That's I, all I would I'm describe saying. it as quality of quarterback, not volume of quarterback. Volume means number of throws to me. All right, I got a question for Kurt before we let him run. Um, how close are you with your buddy uh, uh, Cody Benjamin of CBS uh, Sports? Uh, I talk to Cody pretty much every day. He's a big okay. Eagles fan too. So is he? Yeah, he is. Does, well, does that he, explains does it. He live, does he live relatively close to here? Cody. Cody actually grew up in Lancaster. He lives with his wife in Minnesota now. So. Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. He lives in McMullen. I need you to pass this along to Cody for me. Um, tell him that if the Eagles trade Derek Barnett and get a conditional <laughs> third round pick, like he wrote on CB, I will drive to Minnesota. I will take he and his wife out to his restaurant of choice within a 50 mile radius of his house. I he is correct that Derek Barnett gets traded for a conditional third round pick. Was I, he drinking when he wrote that column? Was he enjoying the best Minnesota brew he could get his hands on? What the hell was he thinking? I actually said to him, like, Cody, you think Derek Barnett's tradable? I think they could just cut him and no one would want him. Yeah, now, now I, I, I said to Jody yesterday when he brought it up, I said he's probably an Eagles fan. He's probably hoping. Uh, to get a condition, yeah. I mean, I Derek did- Barnett. I think Derek Barnett's a better player than Jody does, and probably you, Jeff. But um, I, yeah, he's not getting you from the contract alone. He's not getting you a third round pick, um, and he's not. You know, it's not. You, you can look at it two ways if you're the Eagles. I mean, he's not going to be here next year, so whatever you get uh, might be a positive, or you know, a sixth or seventh round pick is not worth it, so you might as well play out the string. I could see either either argument. Yeah, so I, I did like three trade possibilities for the Eagles, more of players they could sell. And, you know, I didn't even mention Derek Barnett. I didn't mention him. I, yeah. I, I didn't mention Ryan Carey because I'm like, they're not even worth it. It was Andre Dillard and Steve Nelson. They, they were the mm-hmm. two. And I don't even think they should trade Steve Nelson. I, I basically put reasons why you don't trade him because you – you don't trust anybody behind him right now. You don't trust Zach McPherson. Do you really want to move Avante Max out of his comfort zone in the slot on the outside? No. So I'm like, I mean, if you can get something of value for him, sure, but I wouldn't do it. Like Dillard was the only one. And I even threw Miles Sanders in there just because, you know, just for the heck of it. And, you know, because I had to mention three and I'm like, you know, they shouldn't do this either. You know, I, I really don't want them to do this, but I was like, well, look, Nick doesn't really value running the ball as much as I thought he did. And the one time he did, Miles gets hurt and Miles probably isn't worth anything now for 2022. So I did like a 2023 pick and I, I'm like, you know, I, I get this team wants to sell, but you don't sell players. So that was basically the gist of the article. Like Andre Dillard was the only player I thought they could get something for it over the next couple of days. All right, Jeff Kerr, we need a pick. Eagles, Lions, how do you see it coming out? Oh, God, you guys are going to hate me. I'm picking Detroit. No. <laughs> I got to do it. It's, there's too much karma here. Jared Goss never won a game about Sean McVay. The Eagles are a, a dead flower. Yeah, I know. Beating yeah. this. And they're due for it. They, you know, the Eagles haven't beaten Detroit since the snowball, right? I, I think that's their curse. They they can't beat the Lions. And I I, I, I don't know. I, I I, I don't think that's anybody's curse, Jeff. 
That can't beat the Lions. <laughs> Everybody beats the Lions. If the Eagles lose to the Lions, you guys are going to love me on this show Monday because I'm just. Uh, yeah, we will. Up. We yeah. will have you back on Monday because J Max got to uh, I tell it back out of Detroit. He'll be coming in uh, under persona as well because if the Eagles lose, he'll be uh, burying his head just like yours truly, who's picking an Eagle win. You can hold your head high because you pick a lot. But if you're here on Monday, I am going to abuse you if the Eagles win I, by double digits. Guy, remember, write it I, down. I so. Jody Mack said so. Eagles by double digits. Hey, I got my first L of the season. I thought for sure they were going to beat Vegas, and then I thought they were going to beat Detroit. They'd be four and four to get destroyed by the Charger. I already got everything mapped up in my head here. So, you know, I thought the second half of the year they were going to turn around, and they still can, but. I mean, hey, they're three and five after eight. The way things are going, I think I take that. Fair enough. Jeff, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on board. We will see you Monday here on Birds 365. Yep. See you guys Monday. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Kirst. By the way, Jody, point. before we hit that last break, I, I do find it ironic that through the entire offseason, like I get ripped for being so negative. Uh, uh, you know, I say, well, you know, Jalen Hurts has got a lot to prove. I just get ripped. And then we're in the season. I'm like, well, they're not, it's not as bad as you think it is. And I just get ripped for it. I just get ripped for not going to the extremes. Everything's great in the in the offseason when you're not, not seeing the team playing. And then in the season, ah, fire this guy. All right, cut this guy. Cut that. Blah, blah. It's unbelievable. All right. And we'll see if uh, John McMullen will get ripped again. Because he needs to get on the official record. Yeah, he made some pick at phillyvoice.com. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is John McMullen's pick right here on Birds 365. Come back, find out if he's taking Lions or Eagles next. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work. 
building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac guys putting a bow on the show, wrapping up a football Friday get together, looking ahead to Lions Eagles on Sunday. The Lions come in at 0 7. They build them up, puff them up, uh, say whatever positive you have to say I'd like about to call them. Remember when Lou Holtz would talk up everybody? Oh, he was the, the best sisters of the poor. They're playing Navy, they're uh, Notre Dame playing Navy, they're favored by 41 points. This could be our toughest game of the entire. <laughs> I've been watching the film on this Navy team. They do things different. He was he was the best at overselling an overmatched opponent. I'm not saying that this is Notre Dame in its heyday against Navy when they couldn't beat anybody, but the Lions are 0 and 7. The, the, the Eagles aren't quite uh, Notre Dame title contending level right now. But I think the Eagles are in a spot to win a game. I think that they will, like they did last week against the Raiders, uh, score on their first possession, uh, go right down the field and get a touchdown. This time they'll be better. Jared Goff isn't good enough to do what uh, Mr. Carr did last week. I don't think he just picks them off underneath. I think Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon will actually do what he said this week, which is challenge more and maybe take the reins off a little bit, maybe get the safeties up into uh, uh, Gross Point Woods rather than uh, way the hell out on the Canadian border uh, from Detroit. Yeah, I think they're going to give a better defensive effort. I not only think they're going to win by double digits, I think they'll be up by more than that. I would not be surprised if they were up along the lines of 20 to 3, somewhere thereabouts. I think they're going to open up. I think Detroit will score last to make it look closer than it actually has been, which they've done plenty this year. I'm giving a final score of 28 to 18, which I know is kind of a weird score. But uh, last week I had the uh, Raiders scoring 33, and they scored exactly 33 yeah. points. You always so. get weird scores, which I didn't pick a weird score. 28 18. Yeah. Write it down. Yeah. You're probably right on the weird score. I, I should have went 22 19, but I went 23 20. But I'm yeah. going to redo it because I do it too early. So I am going to go 22-19. 22-19, Eagles, Jake Elliott at the buzzer from 54 ooh, ooh, uh, will win the, the game. Look, out. the Lions are not a good team. I'm not going to Lou Holtz them. They're, they're, they're a little bit better than people think as an 0-17, but they're not a good team. 
the Eagles are not a good team. So I think you got two poor teams battling it out. I think the Eagles are a little bit better, and they've proven that they can win a game, and the Lions have it. So until the Lions can win a game, I'm not picking them to win a game. Simple as that. And I th- I don't think the Lions are going 0-17. If they do, they'll be the first one ever because we've never played 17 games before. The biggest season ever biggest in the history of the ever. National Football biggest League. season ever. You know, we, we had Dave Burkett on. He said, you asked him that question, uh, you know, were you there in 2008 right. uh, with Rod Marinelli? And he was, and he thinks this team is better. I agree with him. I don't think they're going to go 0-17. I think they're going to win a game. And they think this is a game they could win. Maybe they're right, but I, 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 I'll I, believe it when I see it. Which I've always asked myself, Dan Orlovsky is used aplenty on ESPN. He pops up absolutely everywhere. I think if you go 0 for a season, that should disqualify you from being an analyst on major television after the fact. But that's I like me. Dan. I'm, I'm a I bad like guy. Dan is an analyst. He's, he's actually he's actually pretty good, although he's still, still too much of a Carson Wentz. Lover, right, still but, defending uh, Carson Wentz yeah. after the god awful season that Carson yeah. Wentz had last year. But uh, he's actually pretty good at what he does. I'm just pimping him because he went 0 for. I'm sorry if you go 0 for, you get pimped. The Lions are 0 for 7. You're getting pimped well, I don't by remember. me. He, You're he going wasn't, to 0 for 8, Detroit. He wasn't the starter that entire year. He couldn't have been. Well, he was. He started more games than anybody else. Yeah, well, that. Yeah. They had Orlovsky, Kitna. Oh, even, Kitna, that's right. Kitna even was. Even Dante uh, Culpepper was yeah, a. Kitna was the starter, year. was the opening day starter. And uh, he got hurt. Uh, and that kind of. Uh, not that Kitten was great, but um, that kind of set things off in a negative. Anytime you lose your starting quarterback, it's you're going to have an issue. No question right. about that. But uh, this this year's Lions squad is, I think, quite similar to that year's Lions squad. So I'm not predicting. I'm not a big Jared Goff fan, but I think he's better than, than Dan Orlovsky. And uh, I we debated a lot when Jared Goff and just mentioned this segment. Carson Wentz, we're in a draft together. And Goff went one and Carson went two. And they're both trying to find their way in the National Football League. I don't believe Jared Goff finds his way this week. What I do believe is two guys who I think are going to have big games for the Eagles. And if I've got them holding the Lions to only 18 points, somebody's got to play well on the defense. All right, I'll give you one of those too. Big play Slay has another pick. He got through a couple of weeks ago. When Darius Slay gets an interception, the Eagles were undefeated this year. I'd be 1-0. Um, don't know if he's going to get two, but I think he'll get one because I think they'll go after him, and I think he'll be up to the challenge. Uh, he could be – maybe that's Lions are driving, and he gets a picked-off pass in the end zone in the first half that towards a Lion drive, which would be huge for them. Um, I do think after the Eagles come out throwing the ball effectively – mostly to Devonta Smith and grab that early lead. I think they will run it for a period of time in the middle of the game to try and keep the Lions off the field. And I think Boston Scott's going to have a good game. I almost, I almost chuckled when you said keep the Lions off the field. <laughs> That's one where we, we talk about the defer question. You and I are on the same page. Typically. No, you defer against the Lions. You, you want the ball in the second half. You don't defer against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. 
you take control uh, uh you want to take control of the game so i think there's a little bit of, of common sense to that approach but nobody does it anyway um yeah i how you can be scared of this line's offense i i can't be scared of it um you know, Khalif Raymond, we talked about Amon Ross, St. Brown. Those are your receivers. This is the only week all season, Jody. You'll go into the game and say, the Eagles have the better receivers. The only they week. Do. The only week all year. And uh, I will, as you just stated, not uh, badmouth the coach if he decides to defer. If he wins the toss and he defers this week, I'm okay with you on that one, coach. I think you still need to upgrade the offense and – uh, and we know Jonathan Gannon's going to get a little more aggressive on defense. I think you get a little more aggressive on offense. But in this case, this one situation, got to give the Lions the ball. And uh, <laughs> then give 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 your boy, JG, a chance to show that he's going to challenge more right off the bat. All right, so you've got Eagles 22-19 and a late field goal. So you got it tied at 19 Not late in the game. 19. Yep, tied at 19 and – the Eagles, Jalen Hurts makes a big play to put uh, Jake Elliott in position, and Jake bangs it through. That's what we like to hear. I got it, the uh, Eagles 28 to 18 instead. And no, no late heroics needed. Actually, the Eagles will be up more than that. The Lions will get the oh, by the way score, which they've gotten plenty of times already this year. They'll get one more, but it'll only get them within 10 points. Eagles win easy. All right, so we both got Eagle wins. Well, I'll be here on Monday. McMullen will be uh, moseying back from Detroit, but uh, we'll uh, the flight's right at eight o'clock, though. So you're eight up o'clock for the on show. the crop duster eight eight in in the morning. Uh, hoping crop. I don't like those small planes, man. I don't like them All even right, a so little if bit. The, if the Eagles lose, sorry for those of you guys on the stream uh, and our commentators, and we love these guys. Um, yeah, you can't take any shots at John until Tuesday. He won't be back till Tuesday. Oh, that don't take plenty. That's fine. But yeah. Remember take who your sold shots you. Because I'm predicting the Eagles to win by double digits. Re remember who time. remember who told you in the offseason that everybody wasn't gonna be great. And now you want them all fired. We shall see. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks, Ed Kratz, even though he's late. Almost left, but he did make the show. Thanks to Jeff Kerr for hopping on. Uh, partner, uh, safe trip to Detroit. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thanks, as always, to Xander for producing today's show. Be back here on Monday as we celebrate an Eagles win on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.